Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. We bring people from school or home or neighborhood or work and we almost force them down the the aisle. And we go, good, another notch. No. Sometimes up to 75% of the people that accept Jesus Christ, there's no real change. Don't like to hear that, do you? Billy Graham will say the very same thing. He'll say to you that probably three out of four that come and make a profession never follow through. I personally believe as I look at this group that probably there never were Christians. In the world of Christianity today, there are false teachers who spread lies about God and His Word. They make false and flowery statements in an effort to add members to their church. They often play on people's emotions or they promise them happy, healthy, and prosperous lives if they accept Jesus as their Savior. But that's not exactly scriptural. Understand that there are wonderful promises for the children of God. However, we're also told that we will experience persecution. We're told that even as believers, we will experience times of trial and hardship. No one is exempt from these things. It's all a part of living in this fallen world. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of today's message from Pastor Mark. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 5, with our continuing study entitled, Which Listener Are You? And a bird flying over. He was hungry. It's about noon. And he went, hey, drive through restaurant. Boom. And down. He picked up the restaurant. He picked up the seed and said, thanks a lot, man. Who put it out? He ordered a Big Mac and got one. The seed was there. Now, spiritually, what does that mean? It means this. Jesus was saying, as he spoke to those people, one of those types of soils, one of those people, one of those categories of people had a hard heart. What does that mean? It means this spiritually. When they listen to the word, as you're doing this morning, as they did when he taught, their minds were already made up. They'd already determined in their heart what they wanted to believe. And here's what you usually find with these people. You may be here this morning. Your husband, your wife invited you. Your mom, your dad made you come. You invited a neighbor. You're here because you want to get them off your back. Now you're listening to the word. And whoever brought you, by the way, I don't know who brought anybody, so don't look and say you told them or whatever. I don't know any of that. If you get nervous and start sweating, that's your problem. It's not me. I don't know who you are. So what happens is this. When the word goes forth, you're going there like, hey, cool service. Uh, and your friend or spouse or dad or mom saying, man, oh, I hope they get it. You're not going to get it because your heart is already determined. You're going to do this thing, you're going to be good enough to reach God yourself. You've already determined in your heart, this is a bunch of fooey. How many of you as a Christian now had a hard heart a long time coming to church service? Let me see your hand. Look at that. I mean, you're not having nothing to do with this stuff. So that ought to give you some hope this morning, isn't there? There's always hope with all these four that we talk about. There's always hope. So don't be negative about it. It's just that's who these people are. I believe they fall into two categories. Number one, basically this. First of all, most of these people are anti-religious they're either atheists, agnostics. They really, again, they don't care for the things of God at all. 
They're not interested in the things of God. They believe they're going to be right with God because of themselves. They're good enough. They give to the United Way. They're bringing somebody turkey lunch, whatever. They're just not interested in the things of God. In fact, some of these people resent it when you mention anything about God. You've seen them at work, haven't you? They hate you. Get away from me. Don't mention it. By the way, you might as well not say anything because their heart is hard. It is not open to the things of God. Second type of group that I think this represents is this. Good religious people. All their life they've been in church. And they believe by being in church, i.e. our illustration of 50% of the membership of the churches don't know whether they're a Christian. I mean, when they were forced in front of them to make that determination, see, probably nobody ever asked them that. They just assumed church member, Christian. But then when somebody finally explained, they went, whoa, maybe not. So I believe these people go through their weekly routine, and some of you may be here. You come, you do your service, whether it's Saturday night, Sunday morning, when you come, you make your nice little visit, you're out of here. Your heart is hard. You're just going through the motions. Now, can a believer, that, those are unbelievers, can a believer, a full-fledged Christian, have a hard heart? Yes. In fact, you might have the hard heart this morning. Tonight we're talking about David and jealousy. Ooh. Some of you have envy and jealousy in your heart. Well, you won't come tonight. You don't want to hear that. See, so we can, as a Christian, have a hard heart, can't we? You know where some of that comes from? Some of you come from a denomination or a background or whatever, and you have your doctrine already in stone. Nobody's ever going to tell you anything different. You've got it fixed, and it's there. And then when somebody presents possibly another option, you go, I can't, forget it, not even thinking about it. How many of you, since you came to be Christians and came from another denomination or whatever, and I came from another denomination, have changed some of your doctrine and some of your beliefs through the way? Yeah, right. Well, see, that's, by the way, we're still going to be changing it. Because when we get to heaven, guess what? We're going to find out what true doctrine was all about. We got a pretty good guess, but some of the stuff we're still off. You know that? Not the basics, but some of the stuff we're still off. So hard heart. Now, let's go back to the non-believer with a hard heart. Where does that leave them? Number one, it believes them. It leaves them. When the word is dispensed, it just bounces off their heart. Nothing penetrates. Nothing makes sense. They're as absolutely unmoved as possible. Satan came and steals the word. They remain unrepentant, do not believe, and unsaved. Second heart, a superficial heart. Verse 16. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, in, in Israel, as in many other places, the, the physical illustration of this is that there was soil, maybe six to eight inches deep, good soil, looked good. Below it is a level of limestone, just as hard, we would call it hard pan today, kind of over here, just as hard as can be. So this farmer's out and He's dispensing the seed and it gets in this good soil and he comes back in two days and it's sprung up and nice green stuff and neat things are happening. He comes back in three days and it's even getting bigger and he comes back in four days and it's looking a little whatever and he comes back in seven days and it's died. What happened? Well, the sun came out, the persecution, the trial, the sun came out, the plant tried to go down into some kind of good soil to find water and it couldn't find any and it wilted and, and died. And so underneath were some things that were never dealt with that caused no growth in that seed. What does that say to us spiritually? Listen, these are people that make a profession of salvation. 
but there is no real commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Now, why did they make a profession? Because of this. Sometimes faulty seed. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Sometimes they've been in a church where they've heard the fifth gospel. There is no fifth gospel. But the fifth gospel says this. Come to Jesus. Sign the card. Become a member. No more problems in your life ever. That sounds good, doesn't it? I'd go for that, wouldn't you? If I had perfect health, perfect wealth, and everything was joyous, and I would never get any gray hair, and I would be seven foot three, and I'd be muscular, and I'd never have a problem in my life, and I'd be perfect husband, I'd be growing dozens of roses for my wife, and she'd just be the love of my life, and the greatest thing that ever walked into her life. Man, I'd take it, wouldn't it? But guess what? The roses die this week, and I'm going to go buy some others, and things happen, don't they? Don't they? Real life. So see, somebody said to them, come to Christ, and they come because of convenience. They come to get on board. It's like they have a problem, and they're looking for a quick fix. So they come down the aisle. Billy Graham, 700 Club, they accept the Lord. Spurt. Meet growth. You've seen them. Their lives change. They're off of drugs. They're off of alcohol. They're off the sexual thing. Man, they're at every service, and it's just going gangbusters. In three months, where are they? You don't see them. Here's what usually happens. A trial, persecution. Satan brings it. That's what the scripture says. Into their life. And they stop and say, wait a minute. I thought you said to me, if I come to Christ, my marriage would be perfect. My finances would be perfect. I wouldn't have any more trials. I thought you told me that. And now here's the trial. Forget this religious stuff. I'm going back to what I was used to before. And they go right back to the same lifestyle. It reminds me of a 4th of July sparkler. When you light it, man, it touches everybody. It's just sparkling everywhere. And you come back shortly and there's nothing. Now the question is, by the way, some people come to Christ for fire insurance. See, somebody told them there's a hell. Well, they're not stupid. I don't want to go there. How do I not go to hell? Come sign this card. <laughs> Hallelujah. Put it in my pocket. I'll see ya. And there's no following of Jesus Christ. Now here's the, here's the danger of this. Both of those people have a false assurance of salvation. Sometime they, they came down an aisle somewhere. They came down this aisle and they went right over to this prayer room and they signed the card and they have the paper. They have the false assurance that they're going to heaven. But Jesus, in, the, in one of his teachings in Matthew 7, says that they'll stand before God and say, we did all these things, and God will say, I never really knew you. Who, who are you? And so Jesus is trying to say, you don't want to play around with this parable. He's not trying to get people to doubt their salvation. What he wants them to do is know that they're Christians. Now, it has nothing to do with works making you a Christian, but it's the evidence afterwards. So Jesus is trying to say here, hey, What's happening in your life? Now, if you look at a believer, can you see this kind of thing even happening in a Christian's life? Where they make this superficial thing? Yes, I'll say to we need some help in the children's ministry. Oh, that sounds good. The kids need ministry. I'm going to go over and help. I'm a believer. I'm going to go over and help. And they go over and they're a true believer. And they get over there. Coordinator says, well, here's your teacher. And you're going to be one of the two helpers in the room. And then 20 kids come in. And the person says, well, wait a minute. You didn't tell me there's going to be children in here. I'm going to help in the kids' ministry, but what are the, you know, kids, i got to wipe their noses and diapers? 
Uh, I think I better think again about this. Or you're here this morning, you go, what a great teaching, man. It's going to really change my life. Flash in the pan. What's happened? A profession change. No commitments. Now for the non-believer who makes his great start, who gets off drugs, who comes in fellowships, and we see them in the services. You've seen them, and they come for a period of time, and now they're, they're just not here anymore. What are they? I believe that there was never any true repentance. There was never saving faith. They came on an emotional acceptance of Christ. By the way, I believe in emotion. You can tell that. I'm an emotional person. But you're not saved by emotion. I believe there should be joy. There certainly can be tears. But the reason you want to be saved is by the truth of the Word of God. Because some morning you're going to wake up and not feel saved. Have you? Sure I have. And I have to say, the only reason I know I'm saved is because I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, I'm saved. That's what happened. And there is fruit in my life. I know I'm a Christian. So emotion's good, but it's not the thing that makes you or breaks you as a Christian. Number three, a crowded heart. Still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word and notice, making it unfruitful. How many of you know what nutgrass is? If you have a yard at all, you know it's a little weed. And if you send your teenage son out to pick up nutgrass, they'll probably get a little pair of scissors and cut off the tops and leave the big root underneath. And you go out and say, nice job, John, I like it. But in three days, guess what? Here they are. So this is what really happened. In Israel, there were lazy farmers. And he probably sent his son out. He said, son, I'm going to do this passage of pasture right here. We're going to make this a seed bed. Go and get rid of the thorns that are there. So the son goes out. He clips a few off the top. And down below is the big roots. Dad comes. He's planting a seed. Looks pretty good. He comes back in four days, and there's great new growth. The plants are going good. He's excited about it. He comes back day seven, and there's little plants beside the big plants. And you wonder, that doesn't look like the seed I plant. I wonder what that is. He comes back a few days later, and now they're equal. He comes back a week later, and here's the weed. He comes back two weeks later, and the weed is here, and the plant is here, and the plant is wilting, because the weed, which had a great start ahead, was never removed. And it dwarfs the new growth. The new growth becomes wilted, can't get sun, can't get water and dies. Now the question is, spiritually, what does this mean? This is the difficult one. These people receive Jesus seemingly in their hearts. They're almost like the last group. They're receptive to the gospel. The word is planted into their heart. They make a great start. You can see their growth. But then Satan comes and instead of being focused on the things of God, they are preoccupied now with the things of this world. Not necessarily bad things, just wrong priorities. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things, and what you end up seeing is a divided heart. This soil is trying to serve God, but really the focus now is not on God. These people have a heart that's focused on temporal things, not on the eternal was Jesus saying that these people in this category are Christians? 
I believe there's two possibilities. First of all, they were never Christians. They start well. They become so preoccupied after they've started well, they've made this profession again, that the world just sucks them in. And the things that were there in their life before, not necessarily bad things, but the things that were in their life before, they don't allow God to deal with them. When they come and hear about putting God first in their life and and having a Bible study and praying and being in a discipleship program and really making a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, that's not really their thing. They just like to come on Sunday and they've made this profession and they just like to go through life and they really don't want to get involved with this Christian thing. What does it leave them? It leaves them preoccupied. And I believe the first option is that these people really abandon spiritual things, but there really was never a conversion. Just a false assurance. They think they're Christians. The second option is that these people are Christians. They really do accept the Lord Jesus Christ. But as their life goes on, their priorities just change. And we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that Paul calls these kind of people carnal Christians. They're believers, they're born again, they're going to heaven, but nothing spiritually is happening in their life. And when they get to heaven, Paul says all their works, whatever they are, are going to burn. They're going to get to heaven by fire. And that's it. They'll get there, but that's it. What a sad way to live. What a disastrous way to live, just to get by. So what does this say to us this morning? What do you think if you look at this crowded heart? Do you believe these people are Christians? Are they saved? Is this really a believing heart? I don't know. But let me give you two scenarios. Number one, at best, they're carnal Christians. At worst, they're totally deceived by Satan. They think that this profession, without any change in their heart, equals conversion. You see, sometimes we do that. We bring people from school or home or neighborhood or work, and we almost force them down the the aisle. And we go, good, another notch. No. Sometimes up to 75% of the people that accept Jesus Christ, there's no real change. Don't like to hear that, do you? Billy Graham will say the very same thing. He'll say to you that probably three out of four that come and make a profession never follow through. I personally believe, as I look at this group, that probably there never were Christians. Now, if you're a believer, can you have a heart that's crowded with the things of the world? (laughs) You better believe it. So we come to the fourth this morning. Let me give you a verse as we come to it. It's Luke 3, 8. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What does that mean? Prove by the way you live that you had a true conversion. Prove by the way you live that you had a true conversion. In other words, if you look at your life, you shouldn't be able to say, well, yeah, this guy's really, this gal's really Christian. They're just having a little trouble at the moment. That's fine, because we all do that. But long term, see, most of these people, long term, we won't know. Time usually tells who had a real conversion or not. Sometimes we're even fooled with that. We'll see by the tears in the wheat. But usually, long term, you can tell because they're growing, they're maturing, they're getting along in the things of God. Well, here's what I believe. If there's no fruit, no godly character, not sharing the word, there's no works of God, there's no joy, there's nothing changed in your life, there's no lasting evidence of Jesus' character and his lifestyle after you supposedly came to be a Christian, then I have to say to you this morning, probably you're not a Christian. 
produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, repenting and turning around will produce a change in your life. Not perfect. But if you're doing exactly the same things you were before you came a Christian, I don't see that called conversion. I see that called profession, half conversion. And a half conversion is no conversion at all. And we come to the fourth kind, and this is the one that brings us smiles. Verse 20 is called a productive heart. Others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word accepted, produce a crop 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. So as you can imagine, in Israel, when that ground was prepared properly and the seed went down, man, there was great growth. Spiritually, this is what giving the Bible is all about. This is what Jesus was trying to say. And he was saying, as I look out among you guys, there's some of you that are getting it. And so many of you are getting it. I, I congratulate you. People stop me and say, my marriage has been healed. My neighbor's coming to the Lord. I can't believe what's happened. I brought my family last week. They're all some other denomination, Catholic. It doesn't matter what it is. And they saw the word and they're accepting Jesus Christ. And I'm going to the funeral on Tuesday. And I told her, I always give the gospel. She says, do that because that's times people need to hear about God. So many things are happening because this is alive. And you're producing fruit. Now, sometimes we can get discouraged when, when we give the word out and we say, three out of four people, and then they come up, they're not following through with the Lord. But look what one of the fourth does. 30, 60, 100 fold. How about the guy that brought Billy Graham to the Lord? Maybe only one that night. What kind of a, what kind of a sermon was that? One guy came to the Lord. Yeah! Millions of people because of him. 2 Corinthians 13.5, it says this. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. That's not a verse I came up with. I'd love to have that verse because that is the verse. It's biblical. It says what? You examine yourself to see if you or whether you are in the faith. And the last part of it says this. Test yourself. Some of you thought you were all through tests. The principle of this parable is this. The danger of hearing all four of these people did what they heard the word three of the four did nothing of long-term lasting commitment with it if they don't allow God to change their heart I believe they will die unrepentant in hell separated from God is that God's desire never so what Jesus was trying to say to the guys is this be serious about this parable because a lot of people say they're Christians, but they're not. So one thing is to hear the word, and that's even for you and I as Christians this morning. We hear the word and we go, well, how dare he say that to me? Hey, I get beat up all week when I'm studying. Sometimes, even this week, God woke me up numbers of times early in the morning. Just I struggle sometimes even getting the truth out of this. See, it's a battle, because your life's at stake. You see, the outcome of this parable is this. There is false assumption in some of your hearts sitting right there in that seat this morning. Some of you that were even dragged in here. There was false assumption that you're right with God, but you're not right with God. I can't make you right with God. I don't give emotional appeals to make you right with God. Emotion doesn't do it, but God will do it when He speaks right to your heart. In today's message, we learned that while some seeds fall on fertile ground and take roots, others do not. You see, oftentimes people come to faith through an emotional situation. They're led by their feelings. Sadly, this doesn't usually result in a heart change. 
Understand that emotions come and go, but a true conversion takes place when you make a choice to turn your life over to Jesus. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Today's message was taken from the Gospel of Mark, and the message title is, Which Listener Are You? The message number is MB3121. Again, the title of today's message was, Which Listener Are You? Taken from the Gospel of Mark. And the message number is MB3121, or just remember today's date. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living, as we'll continue discussing what it means to sow seeds in fertile ground. You see, when you plant seeds in a garden, you need the proper environment. Plenty of sunshine, good healthy soil, and a good supply of water. If the seeds are lacking in any of these areas, they won't grow, and they won't produce good fruit. The same is true in regards to sowing seeds of faith. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time, as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 